the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. All right, welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. This is episode four with the one and only Kurt Weiss. Yes, my father. He actually inspired me to be an entrepreneur, and so I figured what better person to bring on than uh, Kurt Weiss himself. Dad, thanks for coming on today. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. I want to add that uh, you've done this uh, very professionally. Happy to be here. I'm happy to help you out. Uh, you helped me set this up on my computer and you gave me a format uh, to think about. Uh, I think you set this up very well. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, fun fact, too, for those tuning in and we'll see the video version of this. He's still in my childhood home as well. So that uh, that back shelf used to be covered of all my sports trophies, but uh We'll get those back eventually. <laughs> but uh, with, with that said, uh, I put the point of today's interview is to help inspire more people to become full-time entrepreneurs. You did it, but you were a full-time entrepreneur by the time you were 26? Well, 24. Don't shortchange me. <laughs> 24. Wow. So became a full-time entrepreneur at 24. So we'll go through some questions, kind of learn about the story of how you got to where you are today, learn about the details and uh Make sure that uh, hopefully with your advice, other people can thrive in the future. So with that said, one of the first questions is, uh, tell us about the town you grew up in and your professional journey since middle school. Yes, I grew up in a small town in the middle of Oregon, Monmouth. There were uh, a lot of small town values there. There was a college that my dad taught at and my mom was a teacher also. What was the town called? Monmouth. And what was the population? When I was there, it uh, was closer to 3,500. I think it's over 5,000 now. <laughs> big, big leap. Oh, my gosh. So, so you grew up in a small town. Um, did, were you that kid who would sell gum at recess, or did you do any uh, business entrepreneur endeavors in uh, middle school or high school? Let me go back and clarify. It was a Monmouth Independence, and they had an equal population also. So 3,500 for them. 5,000 now. So the community's over 10,000 now, Monmouth and Independence together. It uh, goes back uh, several years, Andrew. It's uh, been uh, quite a while. And I believe, yes, I uh, I did uh, buy uh, some stuff maybe at the local uh, grocery store and then uh, sell it to a classmate or to make a little extra on the side. Okay. And I know that... Uh yeah, both grandpa and grandma, they, they were both, uh, well, grandma was a piano teacher. Grandpa was an uh, English teacher, right? Yeah, he was primarily English, uh, uh, humanities, and then uh, administrator at the college. So when did you know that being a full-time entrepreneur and working outside the uh, nine to five was even a possible, even a reality for you? Yes. So it uh, was rather at the end of college when... Uh, it really came to uh, fruition. Uh, my parents were education, 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 get good grades in high school. So you get accepted to colleges and then uh, through college and your diploma, you can go out and get a good uh, job and earn a living and lead a happy life. So I, I went along with that and we, uh, I, I thought about uh, joining the service for a while, but uh, that was like mid college for me. And then you know, there was something uh, uh, internally in me that said, you know, uh, if I join the service, I'll be set at making X amount of dollars over X amount of time. And I felt more confidence in myself that I could uh, make more not going into the service. And wasn't there an external reason for you not joining the service too? Because uh, being, for those who don't know, uh, Kurt is 6'5". <laughs> and so didn't uh, you get external pressure from your dad at the time as well about joining the service? My dad was one of four brothers. All of his uh, brothers joined the service. He was the only one that did not. And one of the things my mom said to me was, oh, honey, the tall people always get shot in the service first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that probably scared you away enough too. <laughs> well, well I thought sense. 
I thought walking around the campus where I was taller than everybody, I thought, yeah, I probably would get shot first. <laughs> but uh, opted not to and glad I didn't. Okay. And then, so, so kind of going back in reverse order a little bit, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And obviously, I got my inspiration for you. And I feel like entrepreneurship is has a lot of ups and downs. It really is like a roller coaster. I know people, well, my girlfriend, Sleesh, and I were talking about this today about how you, there's the dream of stability and security for some people, but also that dream might also not also be reality. That's another conversation. So one of the questions is to help prepare yourself for the trials and uh, difficulties of entrepreneurship. Was there anything in your life when you're like, wow, this sucks, but then you found a way to overcome it even before you became an entrepreneur? I think everyone has that uh, journey where you go through stages of, I'm going to have to endure this. I'm going to have to uh, suffer a little bit, but it, in doing so, the suffering will end and I'll end up in a better place. Certainly, if you're uh, looking at the the behavior or the character or the personality of an entrepreneur, you can't uh, you can't be someone who uh, falls off a horse and doesn't want to get back on. You have to be resilient. You're right. There are going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and um, and some people um, can't uh, sleep at night uh, knowing that uh, they're risking more than what they're comfortable with. I hope this isn't a, a sore spot for you, but uh, when uh, I was on one of those uh, lower portions of the roller coaster, after being on the high one for a while, I was looking at, uh, and most of my uh, credit cards were maxed out, and I had mortgaged my uh, house to the limit, and I just knew if I hung on a little bit more, I could uh, turn the corner, it would start doing well, and uh, I could pay everything off and be off to the races. Some people can't handle that. And I started off saying, I hope this isn't a sore point for you because your mom was one of them. I mean, when I was close to uh, being uh, financially ruined, she kind of thought, I better jump ship. And we never should have uh, prepared her for that a little bit better. I could have uh, communicated better on that, that uh, I had high hopes I was going to come through it and it wasn't going to be that bad. But that's an example of not everyone's cut out for it. I mean, if you're in debt and you're risking financial ruin and you can't sleep at night, it's not for you. If you're, uh, you can't get back on that horse, if you can't, uh, if you're not comfortable, stress your life and ruin your life for uh, taking risks that you're uncomfortable with. It's not worth it. Well, and, and I definitely believe that that character and uh, resilience can can be a learned skill. And I'm curious, even before you became an entrepreneur, like, if you're okay sharing, like, did you ever get bullied in school or did you ever um, like get a D in the class and you had to figure out, you know what, I'm not going to accept that D. I'm going to turn that around into an A. Was, was there anything like before you became an entrepreneur that you think helped show your, your character and your resilience to help prepare you for being an entrepreneur even before you became one? Well, all those things happened, but I can't think of, uh, yeah, I got bullied. Yeah, I got a bad grade, but uh, how do I want to put that? I just always wanted to... Uh, uh, go forward. And later on in, in or mid high school or so, they started thinking, boy, uh, Kurt's got a lot of drive. He's got a lot of energy or ambition. Even though I got a D or I was bullied, I just wanted to, uh, I didn't, never wanted to dwell on anything negative. I think that's, that's a pretty interesting point. And upon reflection that, uh, I, uh, wanted to focus on being positive throughout uh, those social years of high school and college. There was a lot of woe is me people. Woe is me. I didn't want to be one of those. You, so you always believed in the message of, of positivity. And I, I know I like the quote. Some people misinterpret it. But uh, I remember reading a quote somewhere of like a famous tennis player. And he, apparently he only had one arm. And he likes to say, I don't know if a positive attitude works, but a negative attitude does. What I take from that is that if you get in a negative attitude, it's going to take you down. It's going to derail you. It's going to put you in a dark place, even though like the positive attitude's guaranteed. But essentially, the way I took it is like anything's better than a negative attitude, essentially. Anything's better than a negative attitude. Yeah. I mean, in those younger years, you asked me how many keys that developed that. That was a big one because back there in those younger years, you're kind of creating yourself. You're kind of saying, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be like? 
who, what kind of uh, character or personality am I going to project to other people? So, yes. Yeah. That's a good yeah. quote. Yeah, I like that. And I'm curious too. tell, I, I know, obviously, you know, you know, my grandparents, your parents were both teachers, they believe in education, you know, and just if you were to speak objectively and trying to be unbiased, what would you tell people who are thinking about going to college or not going to college, but they know they want to be an entrepreneur someday, they know they want to get into owning their own business someday? What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm a well, you told me to be objective and unbiased. I don't know if I am or not because I came from an education family, but uh, I, I, I recommend it highly. I think it's uh, very useful and I think it's very helpful. And I think it helps you read a fuller, richer life to have some education under your belt. I feel that uh, it helps you out in areas that you don't understand at the time, but later on, the things you learn, the way you learn, learning how to learn helps you out down the road in ways that uh, they wouldn't have otherwise. Mm, interesting. Was there a specific class or anything about your college experience that you're like, oh, yeah, this definitely helped with me being a successful entrepreneur? Anything about that? Yes. It, it was kind of a conglomerate, if you will, of uh, several classes that uh, kind of uh, helped me realize there are all types of uh, people out there. It could have been literature or philosophy, but uh, all those people you are people and they have different beliefs and different uh, ideas. And, and uh, I, there's several of those classes that helped me get along with those people instead of being abrasive saying, uh, no, I don't believe in what you believe in or, uh, it uh, it helped me listen, understand a little bit more, and in some cases tolerate what they what they what these other beliefs were, and and that helps uh, in an entrepreneur ways is that you will run into uh, I don't know bankers, insurance people, uh, deal makers, property owners that have you know a different uh, a view on life, and if you are uh, able to you know, understand where they're coming from and communicate with them and not be abrasive, they may be more willing to do a deal that benefits you than they would be with the next guy. So in that sense, yeah, college helps a ton. No, makes sense. I love that. All right. So thanks for telling us about your background and your story of, uh, so kind of going through the timeline of, of Kurt Weiss. So now uh, we talked earlier in this interview about, I mean, it's, it's still mind-blowing crazy to me that uh, you didn't even know that entrepreneurship was a possibility. Sounds like, and I know you like to tell me the story until you read the book. And so tell us, uh, tell us about that. So we know that here's Kurt Weiss, you know, he's been bullied, but he can handle it. He's got a bad grade, but he can handle it. He's resilient. He has a positive attitude and he doesn't know entrepreneurship is possible. And then he discovers the book. So tell us, tell us that story and tell us what officially started the superhero journey for you. That was a big part of it, but a lot of it's uh, within you before you get started. But uh, anyway, my goal through education was what my parents preached to me, get through college, get your diploma, start your life and uh, and get a good job and work and lead a happy life. So I listened to them and got through college. And then I was uh, my dad didn't think I was mature enough or grown up enough, probably, and said, hey, here's a... Uh, a chance for you to go to Europe for uh, three months on a, on a work visa. So I got all dressed up and uh, headed towards the airport or, and I had some time to kill. And there was like a Barnes and Noble superstore. And I naturally gravitated towards the uh, business financial section and uh, started looking at all the headlines. And yeah, there was one book that said how to make a million on borrowed money. And I thought, oh, that's me. I don't have any money. I'd have to borrow it. And I'd love to make a million. <laughs> yeah. And I needed something to read on the flight. So I got it. And and so, yeah. So tell us, tell us what happened next. I and mean, this is like, uh, I feel like this is the superhero journey where like you just, you, you fall into your vat of acid and you emerge like with the superpowers and super skills. So vat of acid is like this book. Um, so tell us what happened next and, and the journey and how it led you to becoming a full-time entrepreneur by 24. Well, it really wasn't a vat of acid that you fall into. It was, uh, it was, uh, putting on words the kind of the, some of the things you felt and some of the internal feelings 
and emotions that you had prior. And it, uh, the book talked about all a bunch of different ways where you could, um, you know, make money without and starting very little or, or no money at all, uh, just through a little, uh, legwork or, um, or phone calls or research, uh, to get, to get going. And, uh, I kept thinking, well, there was a bunch of things in that, uh, book that uh, I could have started right away, but it, uh, made me think of the bigger thing I got out of the book was that you really need an investor to uh, start a bigger business and make good money instead of making a, a little bit of money on the side here and there. So it quickly became the goal to, uh, find an investor to, uh, do a, uh, a deal that was, uh, big enough to, uh, be, and have a lot of blue sky. And, and so, yeah, we, we'd love to hear um, what that looks like because you know, I mentioned an earlier interview with, uh, uh, Salisha Thomas, uh, my girlfriend as that, and there's a book called 12 Rules of Life, like Jordan Peterson, uh, by Jordan, Jordan Peterson. He talks about how humans are kind of like lobsters. And he gives the analogy that as a lobster, like there's scarce resources, there's scarce mates to, to hang out with. But then once you find like a good location, um, you get all the resources, you get all the mates, everything is taken care of. But when you're starting out in the beginning, it's very difficult to kind of climb through all the muck and climb through everything. But then once you get that first tier of success, you're like, oh, this is easy. This is awesome. And so tell us about that that first tier of success. I know I mean, you're a manager at a pizza restaurant and you, um, well, did you read the book first or were you a manager already when you had read the book? It was, uh, I was read the book before I became a manager of the King's Table and Roseburg. Yeah. Okay. So your vision before even becoming manager at King's Table was still to own your own restaurant even before you started being a manager then? Well, I just knew that I wanted a business. I didn't think it had to be a restaurant for a while. In fact, I actually wanted to get out of the restaurant business because I started uh, washing bottles at 14 at A&W. Boy, that root beer was good. <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah. I got through uh, some junior high, high school and part-time through college, uh, working at A&W. So when I got out of college, it was, I didn't have anything to do with the restaurant business. I had enough. <laughs> yeah. But then there was, uh, there was probably something in the book that said, if you want to have a better chance of being successful, get into a business that you know something about. Mm-hmm. Turns out I knew a lot about restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell us about that journey of finding investors. Cause I know, that's starting to be a bigger and hotter topic. And uh, so there's a great book that got released recently by Alex Formosi called $100 Million Offers. And uh, he takes a quote from a billionaire who says it's actually easier to build a huge company than it is a tiny company. Because when you're building a big company, you have all the best talent, all the best resources, all the, invest- all the best investors who want to be supportive because it's this big vision. Versus if you're trying to build a small company, like you said, it's harder to ask for. Well, the other analogy is it's easier to ask for $100,000 than it is to ask for $10,000 because, and also there's a book by, um, by Abraham Hicks and, and basically they're saying it takes the same amount of energy to manifest a castle for yourself as it is to manifest a button. And, and so going back to your example of bringing in the investors, how did you go about bringing in investors to start your own business? I mean, you're just a manager making probably what minimum wage and a half, like nothing crazy salary wise, right? Oh yeah. When the time I calculated my salary, it was below minimum wage. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just made a list of uh, four or five uh, potential investors, business owners that were successful in our community. And, and so one of, one of them, uh, uh, or they all owned different businesses. So whenever I was, uh, in the business or around and I saw them and knew who they were, always said, hi, and, how are you doing? And, and, uh, and then after, out of college and I'd start asking them, Hey, would you have any interest in doing this business? Would you have any interest in doing this business? Of course, there's, there's a lot of no's, but, uh, you persevere, you keep going. If that's what you want to do, you, you keep asking. So that, that's interesting on the relationship side, relationship side of things. I like what you said about one of the things college taught you was the importance of like being nice, being kind, not being abrasive. And it sounds like you were really intentional that before asking anything of these people, you said, hey, I'm Kurt. Nice to meet you. You'd say hi a few times and then you'd set up a meeting. Or is there anyone that you said, hey, I know you're a lawyer. I know you're a doctor. I have a business opportunity for you. Are you interested? Like, or do you make sure like, no, I'm willing to establish a relationship first? I'd say you'd have to read the room 
Mm. One of those uh, doctors or uh, attorneys or came in and said, uh, I got extra money. <laughs> any, any of your friends starting any businesses? I think you, I think you have to read the room. But the, up at the uh, business ownership level, everyone's got a different uh, attitude or, or belief. Or, and also, they're always in uh, different positions in their lives, in their businesses. So maybe they're going through a lot of stress at the time. But maybe they're at the top of the roller coaster and they want to uh, diversify a little bit and start something else. So read the room, read your audience. Well, and, and I feel like, uh, and maybe I'm going to the wrong rooms. Maybe I'm a millennial where all my uh, millennial peers feel broken and debt all the time. But I feel like no one comes in and says, "Hey, I have a bunch of money. Who can I invest in?" Like that, <laughs> I've never heard. I've never met anyone who uh, brags about having extra money, wanting to invest in something. Am I am I doing something wrong? Being in the wrong rooms, or what? What am I missing there? You might be in the wrong rooms. Uh, I I you know. Clearly, you know, I think that uh, once you start feeling like you want to be a, an entrepreneur and start your own business, you have to set yourself up to be in the right position at the right time. And I, I don't know if they still have it anymore, uh, but the business opportunity sections in uh, the newspaper, I read those every day. And then every Sunday, I, when they double that up in the business opportunity sections, I read those all the time. And then when I learned that, uh, you know, buying a property would be a good deal from a bank who just uh, repossessed one, if you can buy a property for them before they have to enlist a realtor to sell it for them, they save money, they get it off their books, you probably get a good deal. That's So calling banks, looking for the deals they have, uh, looking at the uh, foreclosure, county foreclosure lists, I look at those all the time. I would look for good deals all the time. All these places I'd have... Uh, I'd be looking. And then then it gets to be a law of averages as you start to look. And I started visiting places like this is good. This is good. And this is not good. I couldn't do that one. But uh, you have to put yourself in position. You have to. It's kind of habit forming where you have to build that habit of always looking at the business opportunity section. You have to build that habit of always looking at the foreclosure list. You have to build the habit and you have to build um uh, a network of uh, people like the um, the underwriters at a bank, you know, who cares to get to know the teller at a bank. But if you get to know the underwriter or the person that signs off on the loan or the person that uh, uh, has control of the repossessed properties, well, that and you can take them out to uh, coffee or pop or a, a beer and, and then read their room, how they're doing that. Uh, those are the kinds of habits you have to look for. I mean, the world's constantly changing. Those things are kind of what worked for me and kept my mind going. It's There's probably different avenues now, but I bet a lot of them are the same too. That's interesting. So, so obviously there's two sections of people. There's people who have money ready to invest and there are people who are willing to put in all the work. They need need the money to operate their dream and make it a reality essentially. So it sounds like if you're in category A where you have a bunch of money looking to invest, um, you should look in business opportunity sections. You should email family and friends. You should, it sounds like, yeah, you should be smart about who you ask, like, hey, who has opportunities? But if you're someone who doesn't have any money, but you do want to create something, you need money, you're saying, okay, we'll take out the local underwriter from the bank. Um, I don't know. I know, uh, I know one strategy, I think uh, from a book you read that you said, uh, get a membership at country clubs and just uh, meet people that way. Like, yeah, if you're in category B where you don't have money, but you need investors to get your business going, um, what, what's the, you think is the fastest, best way to, to go about that, to get people to invest in you? It's not a, uh, I know that what the title of your show is rapid investor or rapid entrepreneur. Rapid uh, results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you have to, uh, in your area or in your community or in the, uh, industry, if you will, whatever you want to do, you should make a list of the people that, uh, you think can help you. And then when you do find a good opportunity on the other side of your habit forming, searching for something, then you have something to present to somebody who, who on your other list that says, be interested in investing in something. Then you have a, and you believe in it yourself and you're always looking for a good opportunity, but you have a list of uh, people you can take these opportunities to. It might take more than a uh, rapid uh, entrepreneurship. It's <laughs> You have to have a habit. I think you have, if you can establish the habit, if you can rapid, rapidly establish a habit, 
you probably know more about this than me. I mean, how long does it take to start a habit? Two weeks? Well, I mean, I have my own opinion on that because I have my accountability groups that gets you a guaranteed habit right from the get-go if you believe in that habit hard enough. But I, I know that the science is different on that. Like some people say it's 20 days. Some people say it's 90 days. So, I, you know, that's a whole other conversation. It goes deeper than a set amount of days because I mean, the other thing too, a habit book I read, you know, he's saying, for example, if you if you forget to brush your teeth for a day, you better not forget the next day. Um, otherwise, that habit is officially broken. Otherwise, but uh, so like that's a whole conversation. But I, I agree, like the importance of daily routines and progress towards what you want is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a little bit of a goal preparation. My goal would be to do a deal with one of these uh, investors that I have on listed over here. And my goal would be to find a, uh, a deal through these resources over here. And then you being the entrepreneur, bring them together. Yes. Well, you know, I, I bet some of those deals can be done. I bet some of those deals can be done rapidly where yeah, if you set yourself up, I found a deal. I found this guy. Maybe you could put something together uh, rapidly. Yeah. No, I, d- I definitely believe there's, yeah. Hence the purpose of the show is to, you know, why waste time, effort, resources when uh, some people have done it faster than you and the same amount of quality essentially. So I, you know, I, I definitely believe in rapid problem solving and yes, there's the Sherlock Holmes brain. Uh, there's a book I read about how to think like Sherlock Holmes and a lot of people fall in that heuristic learning trap where they use short-term thinking on something which gives them the wrong answer. Um, but sometimes you do need to apply long-term thinking. And Sherlock Holmes got so good that he was able to apply his long-term thinking quickly. But it takes practice and time. But but so but yes, the answer is yes. We're look, uh, the point of this show is looking for rapid results. How can you get where you want to go as quickly as possible? Whether it's making money, whether it's fitness, of course, healthily, legally, ethically, and so helping to make sure that other people don't make the same mistakes that you made in your, in your journey, essentially. So that, that, that's the purpose. And all right, so we're at the stage of your journey where you've been through all your school, you picked up this book, it, the book said, look for investors, you wrote down top people who you want to get to invest in you, you had built relationships with them, you reached out to them, and then finally... One of them said yes, and you're able to start your own pizza restaurant. And uh, tell, tell us about that story, because I know there's some, um, what's the word, uh, s- sub letters or, or a small small print about what came with that deal. <laughs> oh, small print. Well, it was a high school buddy of mine, his dad. I was out of uh, college, back from a year in Europe and working at uh, – uh, King's table and I would still hang out with some of my uh, high school and college buddies and and he was one of them and his dad was one of the business owners in the in the region and uh, he wanted to uh, I think his his position of course was to get uh, something going for his son and uh, I want I was uh, wanted him to invest in something else for me and then uh, kind of clicked like hey we could do something together and uh, I'll be, you know, forever grateful for him uh, having uh, the confidence and uh, and being able to take the risk to put uh, two young 24-year-olds uh, up in a franchise business and uh, rolling the dice and risking a lot. But uh turns out, uh, you know, I picked out a good one. Or we picked out a good one. And uh, we've got it in the right stages. And it, it worked out from day one, which uh, surprised a lot of people that it did. And uh, I think everyone's got their own opinion, but I think it's probably because I worked at A&W all those years and had some uh, a, lot, a lot of restaurant experience uh, at and, best. And King's Table, too. Obviously, the, the King's Table managing a pizza buffet restaurant transitioned right over to you owning a pizza restaurant, right? That came very helpful when uh, the pizza restaurant uh, was converting from to more full-time buffet. I did have that uh, experience also to uh, help out and understand how that was all going to go. So, you know, our our uh, particular restaurant could have had a, a probably a smoother conversion than others yeah. without the experience. Yeah, and, and I know that... Uh... Yeah, obviously you're, you're a great problem solver. You know how to how to put deals together, and I'm I'm just and, and you came from a town of you total like seven thousand people, and you were still able to find um, someone quote unquote in your network to invest in the business. 
And I'm, I'm just curious that, uh, you know, sometimes people think, oh, like I would start this business, but, I, but there's no one in my network who has the money to invest in me or no one I can meet near me will invest in me. Like, let's say you met, uh, let's say there's a kid in a t- town of like 100 people or 200 people and, and he feels like everyone around him is working minimum wage jobs, can't, can't invest in him or her. I w- I'm just curious, like if, if you have any advice for that kind of person who feels like no one in their circle would invest in them, but they know that um, they have the experience, they have the skills to start something, have to be successful. What would you say to them to have them go out and find an investor to, to dream big? Come on. We all know the answer to that. Expand your circle. Go beyond. <laughs> I guess the other thing would be uh, just work harder than the next person next to you to give yourself uh, a leg up, some advantages. Uh, know that you have to work hard in that smaller group to uh, rise to the top. I like that. So expand your circle, work hard, and just and just and results should come faster. I love that. And sorry, so going so going back to to present tense of Kurt, to uh, you know you got your successful bit or your business was going great from day one. So tell us more about your asset and wealth building because yeah um, yeah anyone could I mean not anyone could like save up their minimum wage job to eventually open their own restaurant on their own dime. Um, but that might take 10, 20, maybe even 30 years. You're like, you know what? I'm 24 years old. I'm going to get the skill sets. I'm going to shortcut that, get an investor to help help me do that. Oh, and uh, reversing a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about bad debt? I mean, uh, good debt versus, well, let's talk about good debt. Because obviously you had to go into debt to start up this pizza business. So can you tell us about the, the mindset and um, what you learned about that? Well, debt is... Uh, uh is very interesting uh the way it's taught to people uh there's you know two clear uh schools of thought on that one is uh debt's no good don't go into debt it's just bad for you you'll get buried uh uh you're a slave if you're in debt to uh, whoever you owe money to the other one is not all debt is bad if you can borrow money at on a mortgage at uh two and a half percent today and the property appreciates at 3% a year, you're making half a percent in appreciation. And then if you do any improvements to it, you're going to make more money. So what's wrong with that debt? Yeah. And can you give us a sample um, example? And you don't have to use real numbers, but um, let's say you borrowed $100,000 for your pizza business. Can you give us a breakdown of like what you would owe and what you'd be making on that $100,000 debt that you brought on for yourself? It was basically what I told you before. The the interest on the debt was less than the profits generated by the loan. So, um, so I'm saying, yeah. So if you say, for example, that your loan, your investment was $100,000 and you had a payback, let's say $10,000. Well, you obviously, so you had like a four, you had four years to pay back that loan or something like that, right? Those loan structures come in different different ways. Yeah, in in my case, it was a favorable loan structure, and we exceeded our profit uh, goals, and so investors got paid back very quickly, and there was a lot left over. Nice, and, and I'm the same for the initial person. So you get like because a lot of people like look at hundred thousand dollars in debt and they immediately go, oh no. And so I'm just trying to make this tangible that let's say, for example, excuse me, you get a hundred thousand dollar loan. You're confident that you can make, let's say, fifteen thousand dollars a month in profit or in, or, or even in revenue. But you have to pay back like a five five thousand dollars a month towards that hundred thousand. Like, I guess the question is, like, even if you had to pay back five thousand a month and you're only making six thousand dollars a month and so you're, you're left, well, obviously you want to have money left over. But uh, so I guess in your opinion, though, like what is the amount that makes it worth it? Is like, do you have to decide like, okay, I can live off $1,000 a month versus $2,000 a month? Like, even if you had only been making $7,000 a month, and you owed $5,000 back towards that loan, would it be worth it? Or what, or what is the ratio where it has to be worth it, essentially? Everyone has their personal hurdle. Everyone has their financial hurdle that they have to pay uh, based on where they live, what their housing is, what their transportation is, how much a gallon of milk is, how you live your lifestyle is your hurdle. 
So you want to make the amount that covers your hurdle. Now, you said $100,000 a couple of times. What if you researched and you knew, found 10 people that owned shopping centers that were worth $10 million each? And the shopping center owner was earning 5% on his uh, $10 million shopping center investment. And his debt was 4% on that shopping center. So he's making 1% on that $10 million in dollar investment. He might look at that and say, I'm only making 1% on it while I'm tying up $10 million. That is a bad deal. I want to sell this for $10 million and uh, put my $10 million on somewhere else that can make more than 1%. And then Andrew comes along and says, well, if you finance me on this, I'll be owning this uh, shopping center for ten mil- million because I like one percent off of ten million. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, and I think that's a great example once again of like, you know, wh- why not think big on something? And- well, you're in New York too, uh, so maybe there's uh, there's apartment complexes, or there's uh, senior care centers, or there's uh, large real estate buildings that uh, some people uh, are not making what they want to make on it. And you're at one of your galas and you start uh, talking to somebody and he goes, yeah, I've got this one apartment building tied up $20 million. I'm only making 1% on it. I wish I could do something else. And you say, Hey, maybe I can help you out. I like that. I like that. They're not all going to say yes, but yeah, if they, for example, they would, uh, they could co-sign a loan for you. For whatever debt there they have on the property, and then they can carry back a note for their equity in the property. So you get in for free with him co-signing the note that he owes and carrying back a note with you for the rest of the money. Mm, I like that. I like that. He, he gets all his uh, equity back. Uh, stays on the. Yeah, I mean that's possible. Yeah, it makes sense. And so this is a, a great example of the of the wealth building too. So obviously, yeah, you can do this without even getting started in entrepreneurship. Like this, it sounds like this could be your start in entrepreneurship if someone was starting from scratch. But but going back into that, so when, when you're at your journey where you're thriving as a business owner, owning this pizza restaurant, um, and you're starting to get more cash, and you're like, okay, how can I start to invest this cash into other opportunities? How do you go about as someone with cash, with investment money, looking to invest in money that will grow your money? What, what are your strategies for that, for accumulating assets to grow your wealth? And I believe you said you, you, you reach seven figures in uh, assets by 30 years old, which is very good. So once you start getting that money and that cash, how do you go about investing the right way with it? People will find you. <laughs> People will say, hey, do you have any extra money? You should buy this property over here. It's a low value I don't know. People, uh, if they hear you have money, they, some of them will seek you out and you end up having to pick and choose the, the best deals to go through. Or you let a, a realtor know, for example, hey, I'd be interested in a commercial building. And then they, uh, however you want to diversify on that. Uh, uh, how do you go about doing that? Uh, you, you should have a plan that, uh, I, I shorted myself on education a little bit. I kind of skipped right through, uh, college for the most part. But if I would have, sometimes I think that if I would have gone to a higher education and been accepted to a Harvard Business School, I could have learned how to uh, put together a larger corporation, put together a larger business in an industry, been more uh, national or even international. You know, I'm good in my community. I'm good at the, the area that I'm in with the smaller deals. But education would help you get to the regional, national, international business levels. Well, and, and speaking of education, yeah, tell us about some of your entrepreneurial failures after starting that pizza business and uh, your shortcomings. And what, yeah, what were some examples of things that really humbled you that uh, made you go, wow, this is a lot tougher than I thought it would be before well, the been, uh, 2000, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of shortcomings, but there's been a few deals where uh, I've uh, fronted money like I wanted to. I was going to be a 50% uh, investor on an air show and, uh, and I put all the money in and the air show failed. 
and uh, I lost uh, I lost it all. How, and, how much did you lose if, if you don't mind sharing? I think that was a fifty thousand dollar one. And that was like uh, at, at the time, like would you say, like ten percent of your wealth or twenty percent of your wealth? Like how 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 big a risk were you really taking with it? Most of my disposable income at the time. <laughs> you know, that's just hubris. I thought anything I invested in would turn to gold, but it doesn't. I didn't know anything about air shows. Again, you should invest in something you know something about. I didn't know anything about air shows, but mm. the guy said it was going to be a big return. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so tell us more about, yeah, investing the things you know about. I mean, obviously you, you can't be a real estate expert right out of the bat, but obviously real estate's made you a lot of money. You were an expert in the restaurant pizza business. I know your, your current investment has turned out pretty well that you didn't know anything about that industry. But yeah, t- tell us about the, the differentiation between investing in what you know about versus what you don't know about versus what you're willing to take a risk on versus what you're not willing to take a risk on. I guess the question is, and obviously maybe, maybe there is no answer to this, but to the best of your ability, how can people take the most calculated risk possible without just uh, tossing a coin saying, I hope this works kind of thing? Well, I... And I've already said that you should go into business with uh, uh, having some knowledge about it. Uh, there's a couple of different ways. One of them is uh, have uh, invest in a, a person, have uh, faith and confidence in the person. You've probably heard that before. In, invest in the person, not the deal. And uh, so you don't have to have a lot of intricate knowledge if you believe in this person, if you've heard them talk and you feel like they have a the intricate understanding of the business that they're going into. That's usually a better bet. Another one, uh, I know I've told you this uh, too, is it the, the Howard Hughes story. I mean, he wanted to uh, get into the airline business. So he put a hat on and applied for a job and, and got uh, went to work for an airline carrying bags while he learned the business before he invested in it. Possible he may have said, this business is terrible. I'm not getting into this. But no, he continued with it. That's it. That's another way, you know, get involved, take a job in it. If you have the time, and the financial wherewithal to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. And and for those who don't know who Howard Hughes is, he actually created the, uh, is it called the Gray Goose or, not, or the Golden Goose? The Spruce Goose. Spruce Goose. <laughs> it's right here in uh, McMinnville. Yes, the Spruce Goose. And so he, one of the Bruce largest. Goose. Goose. Yeah, he owns one of the largest airplane companies in the country at the time, right? TWA, he he was Trans World Airlines. Yeah. Oh, very yeah, very cool. So, so I, I like that advice that, that the importance of investing into the person uh, before you invest into a business. Talk to someone within the business to hear their insights, hear the opportunities. Because I know a lot of people like saving time, and so I'm sure a lot of people aren't Howard Hughes, where they're able to start work at 15 or 16 years old and be ready to invest by 25 or whatever his journey was. But that definitely makes sense. And um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep transitioning here. Um, so uh, as someone who, you know, you've been able to keep a roof over your family's head for, uh, geez, 20, 28 plus years. I'm curious, so what, what gets you fired up every day to you know, kind, of, kind of seize the day to do your carpe diem? I like to stay busy doing things. I like to, uh, what can I do today? Uh, I believed in playing hard and working hard. And every morning it's like, oh, am I going to go to work today and work hard? Or am I going to go play and play hard today? What, what am I going to do today? I think I had uh, a good blend. Uh, some people would say I partied too much or <laughs> had too many activities or basketball or golf or vacation. And I didn't work hard enough. But uh I I think everyone has to find their own balance. Um, and you get a feel for it as your life journey goes on. Am I working too much? Am I playing too much? Where do I, where would I like to be more? I, I think if I would would not have uh, played so hard, I certainly would have uh, advanced my uh, business and financial station in life much more, much more. But I mean, that's part of your journey is have a good time doing it. Yeah, it make, makes sense. Enjoy uh, what you do. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the another question too is, yeah, how, how do you manage those relationships? Because I know that is a, a sore point for a lot of people. Is a lot of people work too hard. They don't know their own their own family at, at home and they don't spend time with friends because they are working so hard. So 
Is that just another read the room situation? We just kind of have to be aware and self-reflect or um, was there a method that you used? Okay. Okay. I could play a little bit more. Okay. I could work a little bit harder. Like how did you, how did you measure those? Oh, sorry. I had no method, (laughs) but I can tell you going into it that uh, I initially worked hard trying to keep personal and business life uh, separate. But, you know, as your journey uh, progresses, a lot of times those things blend together. And how do you feel about that? In a lot of cases, it was fun to uh, go on a uh, business trip and be able to uh, take uh, some family and uh, do business and vacation at the same time. Uh, and so being able to do that, that is kind of cool. So having that flexibility to work from anywhere, but also making sure being present with your business and present with your family accordingly. And like that you can't be having your your family next to you while you're on your computer working away, right? So you have to like separate those more or less. Yes, more or less, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and, hard to, uh, maybe golf is a good analogy. I mean, if you're out on the golf course, it takes a lot of focus for a novice like me to swing the club and think about all the different hinges and, and hooks and uh, follow-throughs and and if uh, you're constantly getting a phone call from your family member, you know, you, you want to focus over here and then you focus over here then you focus over here and you're not giving the golf game your proper focus. So you end up with uh, some errant shots and the same token, you're not giving your family the proper focus because you're thinking about your, your golf game. So it makes sense to separate them. But uh, when, as life goes on, they usually uh, blend together. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so just want to yeah, double check that we're doing it all correctly. So we talked about yeah, how to get funding, talk about how to start your own business while it's still being young, talked about good debt, talked about good, finding good investment opportunities, growing those opportunities, understanding you might, you're going to take some hits along the way. But it sounds like you, you've always had a pretty strong belief in yourself, knowing that you can figure things out and work it out. Where, where does that come from? Like, like you said, you've gone on the roller coaster, you've been, been through a lot of downs, like how did you know that you would rise again and, and uh, go through a good run after a really bad run? Oh, you never really know. It's more instinct. It's more your personality. And you have to know who you are. It's important to know who you are. Can, are you someone that bounces back or are you someone that says, uh, okay, I'm going to adjust? Sometimes both work, but, but you have to know who you are. You have to know what you're capable of. You have to know what your stress limits are. You have to. You have to know... You have to have a good understanding of yourself. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So I have a few questions left here, and maybe you just said it, but if people happen to just ignore this entire interview, uh, what's one takeaway you want someone to have when it comes to being an entrepreneur or, or being a successful entrepreneur? One takeaway, you know, set your goals and start start those habits that you want yourself to have. Know who you are before you set your goals. You know, good luck. <laughs> I like it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Any final pieces of advice you want to give the people who want to grab life by the horns, maybe outside of entrepreneurship, but people who uh, have a lot of gusto to life and just want to take life by the horns. Any pieces of advice you have for those, that crowd? You know, I, um, about that, uh, let's see, backing up, you know, to tell people what to get out of entrepreneur rapid success is uh, that habit habit forming figure out how to start habits maybe you can help with that with some people andrew get them in the habits of looking in the areas that they want to grow in and learn about get them in the habits of uh, of, uh, tracking people that can help them with their goals that would be the who not the what and uh, get them in the habit of uh, educating themselves learning about industry that they want to be in so they can make uh, good decisions when the opportunity presents itself. And then the people want to uh, grab life by the horns. Those people are already charging ahead. Those people already uh, have ambition and motivation. For them, I, I would you know say that integrity matters. Telling the truth matters. Uh, you're more likely to have uh, create a successful business relationship if you're always honest and uh, straightforward and people come to look at you and say, yeah, that, you know, this guy is honest. Uh, he may not know what he's talking about, but he's honest. I like that. I like that. 
And then final two questions here. When you look back at your life, what do you want your legacy to be? How do, how do you want Kurt Weiss to be remembered by? Oh, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, it's not uh, a single plane or it's not a single direction. That There's a lot of facets to life and that uh, perhaps I, uh, I, I balanced uh, having a good time with uh, creating wealth through entrepreneurship that uh, I knew how to have a good time and I knew how to make money. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And that's that's for your show here because it's talking about entrepreneurship. Because uh, I I think that uh, you and I as family and you know how our family is and you've seen other families operate too. I think the you know, family is very important. Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely like the the wife's dynamics and uh, you know my girlfriend Slisha likes to comment com- uh, comment on her appreciating our family dynamic as well that. We at least pretend to love each other, which is hopefully a good sign. <laughs> but yeah, final thing is, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on today. Any Anything else you wish I had asked you or anything else you want to touch on to help inspire people or give them tangible or in, intangible advice on uh, yeah, what, what you want to say to people in general looking for rapid results in their life? And uh, you can take it toward entrepreneurship or anything. Is anything else you want to talk about or you wish that I had asked you about? Well, I think you're a fountain of uh, good ideas, Andrew, and I think that you uh, absorb information and you are able to share it with people that in terms of uh, helping them achieve their goals. So, you know, I would say pay attention to Andrew's uh, blogs and information and that uh, I I look uh, forward with uh, high hopes and great expectations that... uh, what Andrew provides is going to help uh, uh, a lot of people uh, in the future. Thank you. Uh, that, that means a lot. I appreciate that. And once again, of course, you're the one who helped inspire all that and uh, helped drive my entrepreneurship dream in the first place. And, and like you said, too, I, I am, uh, for those who don't know, I'm a business and sales coach. I'm really good at helping people make more money. And I do run accountability programs and groups. So feel free to send me a private message or direct message. Love to connect more on the topic. And with that said, that concludes this episode on how to be a millionaire by 30 years old with Kurt Weiss. And thank you all for joining, listening in, and we'll see you next week. See you, everyone. All right. Thanks, Andrew. No problem. Got you. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.